We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? A podcast created more traction than the NBA Finals. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. And it's kind of to the point where the Nets are just way more relevant than they were, you know, a year ago or two years ago, where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are talking on a podcast, and those are getting headlines over the NBA Finals. Obviously, not a great NBA Finals matchup, but still just goes to show how much has changed in Brooklyn. Talk about that and plenty more. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where are we starting? Let's get stuck into the juicy stuff, Nick. There was an article on Hoops Habit by Duncan Smith, and his headline, not sure if he wrote it, but this was the headline, Kyrie Irving's comments on Kevin Durant's podcast are a red flag. How do you respond to this? Wow. <laughs> I was going to you know, start this off by saying, like, I feel like everything from the podcast was somewhat taken out of context. Like, if you listen, you have different vibes from it and listening to the whole show. And then just kind of an idea of who Kyrie Irving is. It just is like... All right. It's not that that big of a deal, especially considering none of the comments were that bad. I understand people were upset when he said the coach thing and when he maybe threw a little shade at LeBron James, but 
nothing like too serious where it felt like I'm I'm nervous going to next season. I'm at the same, you know, nervous level that I was last year with Kyrie Irving. There's a chance that things can go wrong, but there's not he hasn't done anything over the course of a year that's made me more paranoid or more worrisome about what's gonna go on in the Nets locker room. If anything, that podcast made me feel better because Katie and Kyrie love each other. They're like me and you, like best friends, like just talking and having a good time. And you could really get that vibe, especially from Kevin Durant, given that I've listened to him on, it seems like five podcasts in the last month. I don't think he's been happier on any other show than the one with Kyrie. No, not at all. I, and I mean, red flag is maybe yellow flag. Yeah. You know, or an orange flag. Cause you know, Kyrie and KD, they have, and like any superstar, like you look at LeBron James leaving the floor in game three. You look at Eric Spolstra saying that Jimmy Butler is the, <laughs> the biggest guy that we've recruited to Miami. And it's just like, these guys aren't judged by the same standards. And I understand why they're not, because Eric Spolstra has built a, a reputation for himself where he's just so measured. And and, mm. and then this, this one outlandish comment is like, oh, well. But everyone says, like, what if Kyrie said it? It's like, yeah, I do get that. But unfortunately, Kyrie and KD have a past where they've said some interesting things before. So I, I do understand it, but they are judged by the same expectations yep. as Kyrie and KDR. So I, I do think that some of the comments, like, you know, I discussed on, on JBT with, with Nick Busick, and he was, uh, before we started, he was even more heat. I had to, like, cool him down because <laughs> he hadn't heard it before because he's been off Twitter for a few days. So I get it. But he didn't actually say anything, like you said, that was totally inflammatory. It was just a guy who was vibing with his best friend on a podcast. And it didn't even feel like, a podcast it felt like a conversation with yep. microphones we do a podcast and it's also a conversation with friends you know we could we'd be chatting about this stuff in the dms anyway we just happen to be able to have these new mics and, and be able to broadcast <laughs> it on streaming platforms so uh, i i think in saying that you know do you want to get into i guess the big points and we can respond to those individually you talked about the lebron one you talked about the coaching one should we get into i guess a few more of those and the big points from the two episodes yeah, let's dive into detail a little bit. And like you said, I pretty much agree with everything you said in terms of it just probably being more of a yellow flag than a red flag. Like there's a little concern there, but obviously that's what you expect. And given their history, I think specifically Kyrie just needs to do a better job of explaining his thought process on things instead of just kind of like living in the moment, which is just something he's been a culprit of his entire career. Yeah, I said to Nick on JBT, uh, verbal diarrhea. Kyrie gets that a little <laughs> bit too much. Where it's he just does. Like he just you just talk talk and talk and it's just like dude just stop reel it in a little bit and and that's that's part of like who he is you know if you i was talking to, talking to joe mccarr uh, just before we were doing some jbt recaps it was just like the instagram live is just a vibe you know you just mm. you're just chilling with Kyrie, and and that's the the Kyrie that i think people are just like nah it they, they dismiss his entire and, and I mean we'll again we'll get to these comments in a little bit, but they dismiss the the positive side of Kyrie, the the guy that donates millions of dollars to the WNBA, the guy that's been donating countless goods to to COVID related causes and, and Black Lives Matter related causes, the guy that's doing all these amazing things for the community empowers around women. him, and empowers women queens as he calls them, kings and queens uh, of the of, of all communities, and it just seems to me that it gets dismissed. It's just like. Let's try and have at least somewhat of the same energy and yeah. not just be Nets fans. It's just like, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you know, to an extent, I do agree. I don't agree with all of his comments, but we do live in somewhat of a clickbait society. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about it on a podcast now. So, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about pot, a podcast on a podcast. <laughs> it's uh, pot calling the kettle black in, in many ways. So, you know, the comments that, and the, the donations that he does make, 
while we talk about them on the Brooklyn Buzz, it doesn't make for for good little mini Twitter videos on the Jump, ESPN, or or First Take or any of those other sort of platforms. But we'll get to those. We'll get to some of the comments. And Nick, I guess the one that sort of really stuck out first. Talk about it on JBT about who's taken the last shot. Uh, listen, guys. Listen to the podcast first, if you can. You know, episodes one and two, they're both about an hour and a bit long, and they're great, and you get the full context, and you can sort of judge these comments in the fullest and, and in the fullest context, which is which is totally important. Because like, this is the first time in my career where I can look down and like and be like, that can make that shot too, and it'd probably do it a lot easier, you know what I mean? I feel like, okay, well, it's not really so much deferring because in past situations, if I didn't take the shot, I felt guilty. Now... This was construed as, you know, LeBron and Jason Tatum, blah, 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 shots at them. What, I mean, we chatted about it initially with Corey because Corey brought it to our attention. I woke up and saw it. What were your initial thoughts on it, Nick? And now I guess you've had some time to sort of like process it, listen to the episodes. How do you feel about it now? I'll say initially when I heard the podcast, I instantly thought LeBron. I was like, oh, like I thought you didn't say LeBron James. But then as I thought about it a little bit deeper and like listening to the vibe, it didn't feel like he was really taking a shot. It was more of like, hey, I know I have probably the best offensive scoring skill set that I've, you know, on any team I've been on. And honestly, like LeBron is obviously one of the greatest players of all time, but he doesn't have the offensive arsenal that Kyrie has. So in that interpretation, I understand what he's trying to say, but to to not include LeBron and like somewhat throw shade, I can understand why people are going to be upset about it. But I think it was also more so him trying to hype up Kevin Durant and be like, yo, this is one guy whose offensive skill set is clearly better than mine. And it's almost easier for him to get a shot off than I am. And the Jason Tatum thing, like, I don't think that's disrespectful. He played with Tatum when he was a young player. Even Tatum showed this year, he can't close out games. He didn't do it in the Eastern Conference Finals. He had a no-show in Game 7 and (laughs) missed plenty of quarters in that series. So I'm okay with that. The only thing I would say is, like, you know, probably throw LeBron in there or clean that up, which I felt like he did later on when he said, if I'm going to take a shot at somebody, I'm going to say their name. So I don't think it was meant to be that way, but I understand why people are like, hey, show LeBron some respect because he is the reason you have a championship. As much as you had an impact on that, he's you know one of the best players, if not the best player of all time. Absolutely. And and in terms of clutch time performances, LeBron is as clutch as it gets. He might yep. not like take the dagger three that KD took over him or the one that Kyrie Irving took in, in the finals as well, but he's taken, he's also, and he's hit so many other ridiculous shots across his career. He's one of the most clutch time performers ever. But I do, when you look at it with the full breath and, and hearing your comments, I, I feel the same sort of way. And I mean, it's you're going to come in with some level of subjective bias listening yep. to the comments. We are to an extent because we're Nets fans. You know, if I was looking at it from the outside, I would probably see it more from you know, what other sort of pundits are saying, like, oh, well, he's, he's clearly throwing shots here. Kyrie needs to know what he's saying. He needs to think a little bit more. And I do see that. We try to be as objective as possible, even though we are a team-centric podcast. But, yeah, I think Kyrie just needs to go, oh, all right, just think. We, 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 as a teacher, it's just like, think before you say something. Yeah. And sometimes Kyrie doesn't do that. And sometimes speaking verbatim is cool when you're on the Instagram live or whatever. But he... he He's, it's almost like contradicting his own comments. We live in a clickbait society, but like, you know, if you know that, then you need to be a bit more careful. And we, and, it, and it's also, again, I'm contradicting myself because it's like, we want to hear that full honesty. Yeah. It's boring when we hear the, the platitudes of like one game at a time, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> we love hearing Jimmy Butler talking his shit. We love that sort yeah. of stuff. It's part of the, 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 the personality of the game, the personality of the sport. So it, I guess it's a, uh, 
it's a fine line. It's 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 a, it's a spectrum, I guess, that Kyrie sort of needs to sort of continue to walk because it, more than any other, he garners that criticism. Yeah, probably more than any other player in the game. So any little comments or, or little tidbit is going to get taken out of context, no matter Especially what. Especially given the history of his relationship with LeBron and how it was viewed after 2017 and after he asked for a trade and things like that. I know last year they said they were cool. They talked on the phone and stuff like that, but still the general NBA fan or general NBA media is going to do whatever they can to try to make something out of nothing. So like you said, Jack, just clean up and explain what you're saying fully instead of just kind of dropping almost a headline. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. The the comment that probably got taken the most out of context, I guess, was the, the coaching one, Nick. And yeah. to provide a greater context to it, this is what Durant also said. A lot of people may question our leadership overall or just us too, but when me and Kai talked about being coached every single day that's leading by example yeah well, our teammates are going to follow suit once they see we're getting coached and continue to ask questions about the game having steve there and collaborating with our floor general every day is only going to yield good results the other contact the other comments obviously were Kyrie saying we don't you know we don't have a coach you know it could be me being a head coach it could be kevin being a head coach and then kevin around's like could be jack vaughn and Again, Steve Nash in a, in articles and in podcasts has said collaborate, collaborative, and it's just like, all right, if we want to like nitpick the the comments, maybe give them the full breadth and the full extension and every single little detail here, because when you don't hear what Kevin Durant said, when you don't listen back to what Steve Nash has said, when you don't listen to or have heard what uh, Sean Marks has preached. Um, to to the media and to everyone else in general about the organization, it sounds like man, all right, Kyrie's clearly throwing shade at Steve Nash here, but it's just like, look, I can't see that again. You know, looking at from an outside observer, we're trying to see from both sides, but you look at what Kevin Durant says, and you know, Kyrie's agreeing and vibing along with it. It's just like, all right, but they also said that they totally want to be coached. It's yeah. it's frustrating, but understandable in some ways too. 
I think this is just a situation where the wording was terrible. Like if he didn't say, I don't really see us having a head coach, or if he said instead, you know, on different days, other guys will be making decisions or they might be the head coach for the day or something like that, it would have been taken a lot more in a positive light because what he said essentially is true. Some days, Katie's going to have more of an impact on decisions and, he, you know, Steve Nash is going to pick his mind. Same thing with Kyrie. Same reason Jacques Vaughn is still on staff and was a guy who was up for the head coaching job, had just coached his team. There's a reason that he's still there. It's because he's going to help on that day-to-day stuff. And obviously, Nash not having experience, he's going to make the final say on things, but he's not going to do a lot of head coaching things that typically you see from a guy every day who's been doing it for 10 years. You know what I mean? There's going to be times where Vaughn takes on some of those duties and makes his life easier. So I think this is a situation where I'm okay with the comment, but you have to do a better job with the wording here because even if I'm Steve Nash, I could understand if Nash took that as a disrespectful statement, just given like you're kind of questioning my authority to an extent where it's like, if you worded it better, we wouldn't even be discussing this right now. Yeah, and I mean, Kari has the the vocabulary to be able to word himself better. He has the intelligence, even though it's like, some people see it as woke fake intelligence. He he's smart enough, you know. He 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 reads. He's 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 learned. He's informed in a lot of ways. And sometimes it might be misguided and and one sided. But in this sort of respect, when it comes to basketball, there are few players in the history of this game who have the level of intelligence and passion that he does. So he just needs to be all right. Come on, my guy. And it sometimes feels just like that when he's in an environment because the comments that are generally have caused the most sort of inflammatory uh, responses have been on podcasts because yeah. with his friends, you know, you look back to the RJ road trip and it's probably four years ago now when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's when he's vibing with his mates. It's like whenever, you know, whenever I'm on JBT or I'm on, I'm on the buzz or whatever, I'm always doing stupid shit, doing dumb impressions or. Whenever we have the comments. trio on the outlet between me, you and Corey, there's guaranteed to be one spicy ass take. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And um, and a lot of the time, I am correct about those takes, including Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Oh. Check out the outlet. Check out the outlet and JBT on all streaming platforms, by the way, if you have if you aren't already. But let's get to, I guess, the final sort of coaching letter comment from the podcast, Nick, and the Kenny Atkinson one, because people also saw this as shade towards Kenny. So th- this is via the the podcast and um, again listen to it so you get the full range of comments. I want to give a shout out to Kenny Atkinson because some people came out and was like, "Yo, Katie and Co- Kai and Katie got Kenny fired. Listen, Kenny was great for the group that he served, and I was very appreciative of what he was giving us throughout the season when we were playing. We always heard how great Nash was or saw how great Nash was as a player, but also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us because we don't need nobody to come in and put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing and change up the wheel. And, yo, you guys need to start doing this. We start running on the first day of practice. It's just like, no, I want somebody and need somebody that's going to understand that I'm a human being first. I send my community and where I come from first. And then basketball is something that I come and do every single day because I love it. Um... Is this shade at, at Kenny Atkinson, Nick? Yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Jack, was this two separate portions of the podcast or is this one extended quote from the podcast? Uh, it's it's sort of two sort of separate quotes because it goes on to say, it's no disrespect to Kenny or any, other, or any other coaches I play with. It's just Steve coming in at this moment and then following up, putting together a great coaching call was going to make us more successful. Now, you can read into that and say, okay, clearly, even though Kyrie is saying that he didn't get Kenny fired, it seems to me that if he didn't, want him to not be there, then he would be there. Yeah. And, and I do get that as well. I, I just think that it's... Uh, and I don't think that he was speaking directly to Kenny Atkinson about sort of like running and push-ups and all this sort of stuff because I don't think Kenny's that kind of guy. We saw some great moments and, you know, Kenny Atkinson standing up for Kyrie Irving 
you know, upon the passing of Kobe Bryant. We saw a really nice emotional moment when he was going to the bench and, and gave him a, a, a nice hug. You know, I don't think that Kyrie Irving has any ill will towards Kenny Atkinson or that he got him fired. I think that it's 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 just weird that Sean Marks and Joe Sire are just seen as just like these figureheads for an organization when it's just like, no, we when you listen and it's just like people want to think what they want to think. Yeah. And sometimes that might be true. Sometimes you have to wade through the bullshit. But it seems to me like here, like they're telling you what actually happened. They're telling you their truths and the truth in general. Maybe listen. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think that's kind of just people going into the situation with a bias. And they're like, hey, we want to blame everything on Kyrie and KD. And I think maybe some of it was shot at Kenny Atkinson. I think more so the part where he's saying, like, it almost felt like he said that, like, and I'm paraphrasing here, that they almost respect Nash more because he's done it at such a high level, which is understandable when you're a superstar player. And let's be honest. said that a lot. Yeah. All the players and stuff. Because, you know, Kenny Atkinson's not the most respected guy. He hasn't really done, quote-unquote, anything in the NBA. Maybe he should have got a fair shot to coach both guys. But like we've talked about a lot on this show, you don't want to waste an opportunity of having two superstars of this level if you don't think Kenny's going to be the right guy. So bring in somebody else, especially somebody that you feel like is going to get the best out of Kyrie and the best out of Kevin Durant. And even seeing, like, Jacques Vaughn coach a team for a short stretch, it felt like he was more adaptable, where Kenny was stuck in his philosophies, where he wanted to only only shoot threes and only shoot layups and not allow them to kind of attack as much in the mid range. And we saw how that unlocked a player like Harris Levert. So maybe, you know, they're right in what they're saying. And maybe it's a small shot at Kenny, but I didn't feel like it was like, yo, F Kenny Atkinson, like all this type of stuff. You know what I mean? I think people are going to overblow it as always. Yeah. I mean, he clearly said like, you know, Kenny was great for, for these purposes, blah, blah, and he blah, didn't blah. have to say that. No, he didn't. He could have just been like, you know, he couldn't have not even mentioned Kenny Atkinson's name, but it's just like, okay, you're taking the five words out of it out of like a two-paragraph response or whatever. But this last one, Nick, I want to get to, obviously, again, two hours of content that you should listen to on the Etcetera's podcast. I did like, I'm sure you probably did as well, the the intro and outro songs that Katie yeah. used to Love a bit of pound cake. I wonder if he bit. got them for free or if he just like paid for them because I feel like he's so cool and popular that they just Drake would be like, eh, you can have them. I know, yeah. I mean, they're like best friends. They're like yeah. they, they give they they give each other a lot of shit, and we know the history of their relationship. But yeah, absolute classics. And the the, the last one, Nick, and for me, you can give your response, but I know what mine is to this. Um, the All Star Game video where they caught us in the hallway. That's when it was solidified that we were going somewhere. They didn't know for a fact where it was, but it was somewhere. That was KD on um, teaming up with Kyrie. What did you think of this, Nick? Because I know what I thought. Let me hear what you thought, because I don't think I have that strong of an opinion on it. So I want to hear your I thing. thought it was trolling. I honestly <laughs> believe he was trolling. I like, I, KD, like, I could, te- you could listen to it. And when you see it written down, it's like, all right, come on, man. But when you listen to him, KD loves a troll. Yeah. He's, he's a great he's got social burners. Like <laughs> Exactly. And it, to me, it just sounded like he was talking shit. Because he could, and he's just like, I want to create something here. I want to get some traction for the podcast in in a way, or just make people lose their goddamn minds. Because he knows that he can. Because he loves sort of playing the puppets and 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 the media in that sort of respect. You know, he has only a certain level of respect for it, and that's how I thought. I thought he was trolling a little bit. You kind of got that vibe, and like you said, when you listen to it, it's different than seeing it written. And hey. Hey, I just dropped this brand new podcast. I'm trying to make it pop off. Let me put some clickbait in here. Maybe even some of the Kyrie stuff is clickbaity on purpose. And they're just like, hey, you know, we're going to really make this pop off. I'm curious to see where they rank on podcast rankings after only dropping two episodes. 
Yeah, it's disappointing that all these <laughs> former players are getting podcasts because it only makes me <laughs> down in all the sports and basketball podcasts. But we'll keep putting out content and uh, hopefully people want to listen to a white guy from Melbourne and a white guy in uh, on the East Coast talk about the Brooklyn Nets because we'll keep talking about it even if no one listens. But Katie went on uh, this Players' Tribune uh, platform, Nick. We were sort of texting back and forth with Darrell Wright. And people sort of put together some of the the highlight moments, and I'll throw them to you. Uh, talking about, I guess, the hiring of of Steve Nash, he responded, "I'm excited about Coach Nash. I think he's going to build a fun culture in Brooklyn. Having a former player walk the sidelines is always dope to see." Just reminiscent of the comments that I made a little bit earlier when we we're talking about um, the Kenny Atkinson sort of thing. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously, Katie loves Steve Nash. We already knew that going in before the hiring. And I like the part he mentioned the fun culture because I feel like the Nets have somewhat of a fun culture, but it's going to probably be some of a carryover from Golden State, which many people have said has been one of the most laid back cultures in the entire NBA over probably the last decade. And it's going to be interesting to see how Nash tries to establish that with the Nets. How fun, how serious is he going to be? Nash seems like a nice guy. It's almost hard to envision him raising his voice to an extent. You know what I mean? And then also like having the former player, I think that's like really big for them just because it's Steve Nash, a Hall of Fame guy and somebody you really respect and you know that like you can actually get pointers from him. You know what I mean? If it's like as good as Jacques Vaughn was and he's a former player, he wasn't, you know, any anything like an elite point guard that Steve Nash is. So I think that does have an impact and it makes it a little bit easier for Steve Nash. Yeah. What it reminds me of is that Steve Nash had a game where he didn't coach and he just threw the whiteboard to, to his senior players and to his assistants. And he's obviously his back injury, um, which thankfully he's, he's been recovering from. He was able to go, Mike Brown, Luke Welton, you guys coach a team. And it was a culture of collaboration. Yeah. And it reminds me of what will probably, what could happen in Brooklyn. And, you know, I don't expect us to win three out of five championships and be a goddamn dynasty. But if that sort of nature, which is what kept, what drew Kevin around to Golden State, can be taken over a little bit and the successes from there brought to Brooklyn, totally all for it. But um, he talked about uh, Steve Nash even further um, on the sort of text chain. I felt like Sean Marks always had a relationship with Steve. He's a brilliant basketball mind, but on top of that, he's a great communicator. Everything he did on the court was efficient. So hopefully he brings that mentality out to our team. Efficiency and communication, Nick. Yeah, communication has been kind of like a key word for the Nets since the Kenny Atkinson departure. So I think no surprise that's something you're going to see kind of continue to happen. And obviously... We knew about that relationship. And I think it's also like a little bit of KD saying like Sean Marks and Nash have a relationship. I didn't get him higher type of thing, which seems to be something like they're really pushing. Two more things. He was responding to what's the thing he's most excited about with Kyrie coming back. I'm excited to see him cross the shit out of being <laughs> on a switch and post up these small guards in the league. He's a different beast. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, too, to see that, especially when he's going to have more space than ever playing with Kevin Durant. So, no. And that's, like, another thing where Katie actually just admires Kyrie's game and what he can do. And this is brought up by the co-host of the podcast, which I believe is Eddie Gonzalez. This is going back to the show. He said, like, Kyrie has a game that everybody kind of wishes they could have. You know what I mean? Sick handles, can hit a jump shot on any point in the floor, crazy layup package. So it's funny that see other NBA players, especially somebody as good as KD, be like, yo, I really love his game. When KD, everybody wants your game, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, imagine being 6'11 and having the handle and jump shot and, 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 and offensive and defensive games that he does have. The last point I wanted to get to, Nick, we might see Kevin Durant retire in the black and white. 
Uh, he was asked, so is Brooklyn the final stop? As of today, this second, yes. Yeah, very open-ended there. Not really taking much into it. I'm, You know, it was always a possibility of him signing with the Nets and never leaving and retiring here. And Katie's been a guy that's mentioned he wants to retire somewhat early so he can focus on the next half of his life. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops. Obviously, championship success is going to play a part. What happens with other players, contracts, and stuff like that. But if Katie wants to stay in Brooklyn and wants to retire in Brooklyn, I'm sure the Nets will be more than happy to have him. So Katie's going into his age 32 season next year, yeah, Nick? Uh, I believe so. So he's said before, I think maybe a year or two ago, that he plans to retire when he's 35. Whether he meant that, he still means that, and he doesn't now. Okay, so if we're looking at his contract with the Brooklyn Nets, 2021 season, 32. Uh, 21-22 season, 33. 22-23 season where there's a player option, he's 34. And then in 2023, he's an unrestricted free agent where he's 35. He might retire in Brooklyn and he might follow that same path that he said all along. And it's just like, well, we, well Katie's retiring when he's 35. And like LeBron's probably still freaking playing with Bron and some <laughs> shit. Um, it's just like, whoa, why did he do that? It's just like, I said this, I was going to do it. And especially I think if he wins a, a chip or two with the Nets, um, I think that it, it's certainly possible. Yeah, I would. The other interesting thing I would consider would be like, does he want to play longer because the Achilles took away a year? You know what I mean? Took a year off of his career and almost like a year and a half, I guess, to an extent, depending on how you look at the season. And it's a possibility. I also could see him opting out of that player option year and then maybe signing a two or three year deal and finishing it out with the team or, you know, a one plus one type of thing where he just kind of has all the leverage that he wants in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess. It sort of leads in nicely to our next topic about um, Andrew Joe Potter on Twitter posted saying that there is basically a massive risk in the net offering and maxing out Kevin Durant. Nick, I put the question to you. Did the Nets take a major risk giving Kevin Durant that max contract? Yeah, it's a major risk, but it's a risk you take every single time because you're talking about one of possibly the greatest basketball players of all time in terms of like offensive skill set. And we mentioned at the top of the show, the Nets have already benefited from having Kyrie and KD just for the fact that they're way more relevant. And that matters to the team and the organization, especially when it comes to money. Being relevant and being talked about during the finals is something that's probably not happened to the Nets since they were in the finals in 2002 and 2003. Maybe there were some rumblings last year of KD coming to the Nets, but it was more about KD going to the Knicks. So I would already say this is having a positive impact, and it's going to probably have a positive impact on the players, even if KD doesn't get back to the level he was at prior to the Achilles. I think there's plenty of pluses from here, and you take that swing for the fences when you have a chance to win a championship, like we saw last year with the Raptors. Hey, we're only going to get Kawhi for a year. Who cares? We're going to win our championship, and we're going to be at that level. We might never get there again, or it might take us another 25 years. So when that opportunity presents itself, you have to take it. Yeah, and hey, we didn't give up seven first round as I <laughs> So yeah. um, maybe we maybe we do for Paul George. Who knows? Uh, we've, we'll, we've spoken about that on a, on a trade pod, free agency pod on the last episode. So go check that one out and we'll be doing more trade ones going forward. Nick, I guess it kind of relates to what you just mentioned about the, the attention and the um, that Durant and Irving have brought. Before we get to some coach, finish with some coaching stuff, Kevin Durant finished with the seventh best-selling jersey and Kyrie Irving finished with the 12th best-selling jersey. Despite neither of them Putting on a putting on a black and white jersey for the past I don't know how many months has it been time that has lost all meaning right now. But I, I in saying that 
where do you expect them as just an unprompted question where do you expect these guys to be in those jersey rankings and the nets to be in the jersey rankings come next season when they do actually suit up yeah i mean some depends on the success but i think just katie being back on the floor i would be surprised if he wasn't top 10 again Kyrie top 10 and if the nets offense is cooking which it could easily do in that steve nash offense and we got joe harris we got Kara Sever, we got spencer dinwiddie possibly some other pieces in there too like the Nets might be the most exciting team in the NBA in terms of like just offensive punch, especially if they don't upgrade defensively. You could see KD being top three, and I definitely could see Kyrie being top five, especially if they start to take over more of that New York mar- New York market, especially with young kids. Like kids don't care about, hey, I was a Knicks fan for two years, and now I'm a, a Brooklyn Nets fan. If you're seven years old, you don't really care about your allegiance. You're just going with who's the best player, and that's going to lead to KD and Kyrie because I was just talking to somebody about the NFL and I was like, yo, when's the last time either, you know, Jets or Giants had a superstar quarterback or like a really big name player? They haven't. And even, you know, mediocre quarterbacks have gotten crazy endorsement deals and had crazy success with jersey sales and they're not that good. So now all of a sudden we have arguably top three point guard and maybe top five player in the league on our team next year. Okay, jersey sales are going to be crazy just because of the New York market. And if they have success, it's going to continue to climb. So I think it's going to be pretty big. I think merchandise is going to be way up for the Nets, typically an area where they struggle. Yeah, I wonder if Kevin Durant's going to have a higher selling jersey than Julius Randle. We'll have to wait and see. We'll <laughs> Especially and see. if they drop those light, those light blue ones that are supposed to drop. That's just going to add a ton because now even people like myself who already have a KD jersey, I might just have to buy another one just because of that colorway is so pretty. Yeah, and bring back the old school Kugi ones as well. The, the Nets just have a lot of room to 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 maneuver with their their graphic design and stuff, and hopefully they can bring out some of the fire next season because you know we need something to talk about on on this podcast and something to get happy about in a in a pretty trying time for us all. But yeah. something that is positive, Nick, is the coaching news relating to the Brooklyn Nets and Ian Begley, who I think is quite a credible source, um, has reported that two assistants uh, are reportedly could be coming or have interest in the Brooklyn Nets. Oklahoma City's Brian Keefe, who is an assistant um, that has ties to Kevin Durant, and also Phil Handy, a name we've talked about on this podcast, who Kyrie Irving has talked about as a father figure and mentioned him on the Etc's podcast a couple of times. These names, uh, how how much do you want them, Nick? How likely is it that you see this happening? Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I could see Brian Keefe coming pretty easily given that Billy Donovan was just let go. You know what I mean? They're going to probably have a whole new staff in OKC. So him coming makes a lot more sense. And obviously you mentioned the relationship with Kevin Durant. It seems like they're two guys that bond a little bit. Having him on the staff could be somebody that could work with KD independently. You already have Steve Nash. Phil Handy is going to be a little bit harder because I'm going to assume there's some type of relationship with LeBron James. For him to go to Cleveland, to LA, and what looks like they're going to win a championship, it's hard to draw somebody away. But if he's closer to Kyrie and Joe Sy is willing to open up that uh, wallet or that checkbook, then it might happen. So I think, you know, Phil Handy, I probably would say maybe a 50-50. But Brian Keefe, I feel more confident getting just given that whole OKC situation. It's always hard to take somebody from a championship team. Yeah, that's true. And and Phil Handy's been on six of the last <laughs> previous finals teams. And maybe, you know, and I, I've sort of seen like responses from like Lakers Twitter and sort of seeing what their thoughts are on it. It's just like what you sort of said, what is going to get Phil Handy out of of Los Angeles? You know, obviously the Lakers have LeBron and AD, to the best superstar duo in the league. They've got the weather factor. They've got all the sort of living situations there. But 
you know, if Phil Handy as an assistant is looking for a new challenge and looking for increased responsibility, maybe he's a, a, a co-lead assistant with Jean yeah. Vaughn and maybe he wants to reconnect with Kyrie in that sort of way. And maybe Kyrie's sort of, you know, sending him a text because I don't know if tampering counts with coaches. Um, maybe Kyrie's yeah. Sort of, yeah, t- texting and sending some emails while he's, he's there in the bubble. So, you know, it, it, it depends. You know, I think all of us in some vein or another are like, damn, I want that new challenge, that, that new shiny thing that's happened over there. You know, if I were to give Brooklyn their first ever championship, I would go down in history. He's already gone down in history as one of the best assistants and um, has a relationship with some of the best superstars that this league's ever seen. So I'm, 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 I want to be more optimistic, which is, uh, which is saying something because I'm not normally like that on this podcast. So I'm really hoping for feel handy and, and yeah, Brian Keefe seems like you know a, a match made in heaven with the you know the fact of what's happening in OKC right now and, and the relationship with Kevin Durant and you know the expertise that all these guys have you know like Steve Nash has said and like the guys said on the podcast the collaboration and finding guys that have increased intelligence expertise and skills to impact winning on this organization and impact culture in this organization you know and, and make it a fun sort of culture as as Katie and Kyrie have said. I think all of these names and all of these people with their leadership and, and with their responsibilities can do that. And relationships matter a ton. We know this from coaching to players to whatever it might be. And you want to keep that locker room happy and in good graces. You know, having a guy that, you know, Kyrie likes, a guy that KD likes is only going to help do that and kind of continue to push. And, you know, maybe from Phil Handy, he's looking at it. I'm not sure if the Lakers are going to get back to the finals next year or something like that. Or maybe he's, you know, thinking that maybe Brooklyn has a better chance or like you said, Jack, a new challenge to maybe bring another team and have another championship on your belt for multiple teams. And I think that would be maybe enough for Phil Handy to get an opportunity to coach a team. You know what I mean? Like continuing to be an assistant coach that plays a large part in winning championships, especially that 2016 team for the Cavs, because their report is that he gave some crazy speech that got everybody motivated, including Kyrie Irving. So if he has those type of moments and he has another one with the Nets, there's no reason he shouldn't be a head coaching candidate, which he probably should be already. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was one of the first yeah. names that we did report when we were doing the sort of speculation pods about the coaching with this. And then Kyrie Irving was one of the first people that he hugged when they yeah. the, the whistle and, and the, the timer did run out in, in 2016. So this, you know, it, it's going to be certainly interesting. And I am I, I want it to happen in a lot of ways. And, and I think that, you know, we don't know what next season is going to look like. And, you know, if there are going to be sort of local bubbles throughout Handy willing to do that with the same organization again and and within the same environment or does he want something new and want to go to new york and and, and find a new sort of challenge there like we sort of alluded to it it's going to be interesting um and obviously you know i don't think we're going to get any news related to him until the finals are over but we could see news uh, in the coming weeks uh going forward and we'll certainly be reporting that but nick anything else you wanted to touch on because uh my doc is officially done it's about time that we finished up one of my google docs on these podcasts yeah we still got plenty on the trade doc which we'll be talking oh, about man. later this week so if you guys have any any of the listeners have questions or anything or trades or thoughts you want us to kind of go through in terms of the nets offseason moves and stuff like that we're going to be diving through the trade stuff probably look at offseason a little bit later or do some draft stuff too but feel free to reach out let us know what you think and what you want to hear us talk about because we're more than happy to drop pods and as always you can find us on itunes google play spotify otgbasketball.com and blue wire pods Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.